Well, good morning. How are you doing? Oh, you're about half awake. This is 11 o'clock group. You guys are supposed to be, whoa! I'm going to talk to you this morning, and then we're going to end on this sermon of suffering. But I want to rewind to that video that we just watched. Some of you may have heard the 23rd Psalm before. Often you've probably heard it at a funeral. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You make me lie down beside uh, clear water, all, these, all these, these valleys and this water, and it's, oh, so peaceful. But I want to tell you something this morning. I get really excited. This morning I had somebody come up to me and said, you are so pumped up today. Sorry. <laughs> Actually, no, I'm not sorry. I, we're, we, when you talk about what we're going to talk about this morning, it is, it just, hmm, it just make it excites me to see what God can do because of what He has done. Psalms 23. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're going to get tired of hearing this today. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. They comfort me. You're with me. You've never left me. You ever been a time in this life that you felt alone? Maybe right now you're going through a time of suffering like we've talked about the last couple weeks. And it's tough, man. You've lost a job. <laughs> Your relationship's not where it should be, where, where you want it to be, where God wants it to be. Maybe, you, maybe you've gotten a divorce. Maybe, maybe all these things, whatever. You know what Psalms 23 tells us? <laughs> Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This is a big deal. This is a huge deal. This is a, this is a phenomenally huge deal. And the person goes, you were pretty amped up this morning. And I said, how can you not be? No, watch this. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now tell me somebody, please tell me what you're suffering is more than death. We may feel like we're going to die. It may hurt. It may hurt physically, mentally. Phys- it may hurt spiritually. But... If God says, through David, his psalm writer, and he says, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you're with me. You comfort me. David was hunted by other people. (laughs) Everybody says, well, David was a man after God's own heart. He was. He also committed adultery, and he also committed murder. (laughs) I'm really good. I'm really glad. I'm really really glad that David's in the Bible. You know why? I associate with him. (laughs) Not that I've committed adultery and murder, but that this, that God can take somebody with that kind of past, He can wash and make them new and say, hey, even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though you've done all this stuff, you're still mine. This is awesome. Why do we suffer? We, the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about why do we suffer, and I'm going to get into a really cool thing that some of you may have experienced. But I want to talk to you, first of all, about, about that Psalms 23. God says... Though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will fear no evil, for I am with you. I will never leave you. I'm here. And this is the cool thing. When God promises us something, He can't go back on it. It's true forever. Think about this. The other day, with our spring that we've had, you may have thought that God was thinking about reflooding the earth. There's farmers that seriously... I talked to a farmer the other day. He said, I'm going to start planting. He said, I went home. And he said, I got, they have maple trees in your yard. I can attest to this. He goes, we had maple trees growing in our gutter. 
Maybe I need to grow corn in my gutter. <laughs> he said, because I can't get a tractor on anything that I own. But watch this. You look with the, with the heat and the sun coming out after the rains. We're seeing these beautiful rainbows. Guess what? That promise from way back in the beginning of this book still holds true today. Has God ever flooded the earth again? No. Why? Because He said He wouldn't. Because He said He wouldn't. Now, if God tells us something, and He promises us something, too often we say, ah, uh, it can't really be like that. And our human side takes over. And we're talking about suffering. for th- This week we're going to wrap it up. And I want to explain it to you in a little bit different context. If you have children or around children, if you teach, if you teach, you're on another level, and I understand that. It's summer. That means not going to school time. I get it. If you have children in your house, you've probably understood a celebration with college kids, elementary kids, junior high kids, high school kids. Um, I recently just got out of school. It's awesome. And And we go through this, and there's a time of celebration. Emma and Lydia both went to school on the last day of school. And right before they left the house, they said, It's our last day of school. Then we're out for summer. That caused a panic attack with me and my wife. Because they're going to be home. Just kidding. Do you remember what it was like to be in school? You're like, oh. But do you remember what the last day of school was like? Ooh. Yeah. Right on. Some of us picked up our baseball gloves as we just got off the bus and shot through our house to the backyard to pick up the first neighborhood game of the summer. Or we hit that first pond. Family, family, it, family time is summertime in our family. It's, listen, it's, it's full of this. I want to be five again. My, my daughter turned five the other day. My youngest turned five. Yeah, how fast did that happen? Yeah. So, I really want to be five. Now, we're having a family birthday party later for it, but I really desire to be five again, based on the presents that she received. Number one. She woke up, and my oldest daughter had decorated her entire room with streamers. Snuck in ninja-like when she's asleep, okay? She stuck streamers everywhere. She blew up balloons that were everywhere. She got up, and I'm like, well, that's fun to wake up to. Then she comes to the table, and, and we say, hey, we have a couple presents for you. We're going to get her something else. But listen, she opened two boxes of sour worms. She's five. She doesn't need a car. She opened up sour worms. And then she opened up the greatest present that any five-year-old would want to see. Not one, but two super soakers. Water guns. To be five, I thought about myself, man, what would it be like to be five? The whole summer ahead of you. You've got to go where mom and dad take you because you can't drive. But we looked, we looked at this. But that, that, at our house, it's water fights. It's family vacations. Um, sometimes it's ball games made with you. Snow cones, fishing, boating. My favorite. Camping. I love camping. I love going outside, being outside. I know some of you are like, I'll camp in a Hilton. Okay, that's fine. I like camping outdoors. We're in the lake. I like going outside. And if I said tent camping, some of you go, that's not camping. That's roughing it. <laughs> okay? <laughs> I actually still own a tent, and, I, and it works well. Okay? But we're going to be in the second book, uh, the second, uh, second Corinthians chapter 1 this morning in a second. But I want to I show you that our spiritual life is much like this. During the summer here at Connection, during, it's starting next week, um, we're going to be looking at some different things throughout the summer. And I say this because family vacations happen. You may miss a Sunday or two. Please get online. You can check out, you can check out these stories as we go through them. But I'm going to be preaching through some of the parables that Jesus taught in the New Testament. 
I'm excited about it. The, 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 the series theme, the title is called The Rest of the Story. I'm not Paul Harvey. Don't ever claim to be Paul Harvey. Good day, okay? But we can read the surface level of these stories and we can get a basic meaning, but there's just a basement of material that's applicable right now that I really want to dive into. I want to, I want to talk about these things. I want to discuss these things. But this week, we tie up the suffering. But I want to remind you of something. Just like our spiritual suffering, sometimes maybe we went through school and school was our suffering. And we thought, oh, if we can just get to May. If you're a teacher, it has been told to me that you're not even supposed to smile until Halloween. Okay, and, we, and, th- and that first part of the year seems to just go... Ping-ching. And then a couple weeks before Christmas, they just go... Once you come back from, and your Christmas break goes that fast, you come back to school and, and the kids are just crazy because they've been jacked up on sugar all Christmas break. So they come back to school and then, you know, January, February, there's not a whole lot of breaks besides President's Day. You get into April and there's just no breaks. Because often Easter's in, in March. There's no, and then you get to May. And it seems like the second hand on the clock goes backwards. In our suffering, it's the same way. In our times of suffering, when we feel that we are down, it seems like time is going backwards. We feel like we're spending too much time. God, this isn't fair. If you remember a couple weeks ago, God, this is not fair. But when it comes to that magical day, whatever day in May, or sometimes June it is, and you know that it is the last day. Maybe you're waiting in vacation for work, and you know it is the last hour, and you are getting ready to clock out of this place, and you're going to enjoy a summer or a vacation or time off. There's a song that I associate that I associated with this morning about our suffering, and this is a big deal. You can take that story that I talked about school, now, now put it into your life with our suffering. It seems like the clock goes backwards and that we can never get out of this time of suffering. It feels that it's very, very heavy on us. It feels that it's just so, so time-consuming, so thought-consuming, so everything about us, we just are, are so engulfed with this suffering. And we don't think there's any way out. I don't want to tell you the lyrics of a song that I love. Though the sorrow may last for the night, His joy comes in the morning. Now this is huge. This doesn't mean, this doesn't mean, oh, I can't wait for my spiritual vacation. You don't ever take time off from being spiritual with God. You don't ever take off that time with your relationship with God. But I'm talking about Moving into, moving into a place where God gives you... that We're going to talk about something this morning. I love this word. If you mow your yard outside today or this weekend, you will need a shower afterwards. It's too humid. Okay? It's, just, it's awful. It's hot. Okay? And I know. Well, it's not even July yet. I know. Is, is, is it fall yet? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But, but you need to take a shower. We're going to talk about a place in Scripture where it says that God showers His comfort on us. And this is a huge, huge... Huge, huge deal. Some of you like to go in a shower and think, oh, this feels so good and relaxing. Listen, that comfort with God, how He showers you, should feel even better than that. It can take you out of this time. Though the sorrow may last for the night, His joy comes in the morning. I love this. Look at your worship handout with me. If you have a yellow piece of paper, flip it over to that first place. There's some, there's some blanks that you can jot down some notes on. Check this out. This is a pretty bold statement. Our suffering will not last forever. Wow! It's awesome! 
Now, there's a couple details that I had to share with you about this to make this true. As long as you are drawing breath, you still have things to go through. I know. I've looked for that verse just much like you have. We, I've looked for, for Jesus to tell His disciples, okay, now, now listen, uh, James and John, you're going to only have to do this for a couple years and then you're going to be done. Or, being a disciple of mine is going to be a piece of cake. He doesn't say it. He never says it. So, when I say our suffering will not last forever, because, let me tell you something, if you're, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, this is absolutely 100% true. As soon as you draw your last breath on this planet, and I'm not here to be a doomsday person, here to be somebody that's negative. As soon as you draw your last breath on this earth and you step into heaven, suffering doesn't exist. Think about that. You wear glasses? Gone. You, you, me? Here. I look at Oreos and have to run a mile? Gone. Maybe we eat Reese's Peanut Butter Cup Rivers. That would be awesome. I don't know. But listen, all these, all these things will be gone if you're a follower of Christ. But it's often, we want to, we just want to stay in this, sometimes we like our own pity party. Sometimes we like to stay in that position of suffering. God says, here's a ladder, and we say, no thanks. We like it. On earth, I I hate to tell you this, because I'm included in this. On earth, While you're still living on this planet, your suffering may not ever end. In fact, the closer you get to Christ, the worse it will become. But there's a reason for that that we're going to go over later. God is like a hurricane. I've heard it explained like this. God is in the middle, and the most peaceful part of a hurricane is the eye. There's no wind. There's no destruction in the eye. But if you're on the outside and you go in towards, the closer you get to the eye, the stronger the winds. And then there's just the eye. And we say, man, we want to be where God is, where there's peace and tranquility and all this stuff. Okay, that's okay. But when you get to God in the middle of the circle, you're not here anymore. Because that doesn't exist on earth. Because there's sin here. The closer that you get, the stronger the winds are. Our suffering won't last forever if we're a Christian. If we're a follower of God, it's not forever. Joy will come. Man, I just, that's so... That pump, I'm 36 years old. Is that, wow, you're 36 years old, you're talking about dying. You're talking about okay with dying. Listen. If something happens to me, you need to understand one thing. If something happens to me, the first breath that I take that's not of this world is going to be in a city, in a place of absolute unbelievable. It's going to be the presence of God. Well, you say, how good is this place? And I told you a couple weeks ago the story. We have some new people with us. I want you to hear this. I asked my grandfather one time, he was a pastor, and I said, hey, when you get to heaven, how will you know who my grandmother is? And I said, I got it. I was like 13 or 14. I said, I got it. You'll know because she'll have the wedding ring on. She'll have her gold ring on. And my grandfather was not not sharp with me, but he was very stern with me. And he looked at me and he said, the last thing that I'm going to do as a child of God in heaven is wear pavement on my hand. He said, I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. One day, my suffering will all go away. Listen, my grandfather used to not brag about it, just talk about 
God not being done with him, he survived two colon cancers and God had to have a massive heart attack and his heart to explode before he got out of this world. But during that process of suffering, going through, going through colon cancer, having to have severe, huge, huge surgeries, he was able to witness to people to show them that, hey, this suffering's not going to last forever. It's an inconvenience, sure, but it's not going to last forever. There's some relationship stuff that you're going through right now. It will not last forever. It won't. Look at, look at with me in, in, the, in the verse. Verse 1 of chapter, of chapter 1 of 2 Corinthians. This letter is from Paul. Now, this is a big deal. You just start and then you stop. All you do is you, Matt, you just start and you just stop. This is a huge deal. I'm going to show you something really, really quick. Right here and right here. This letter is from Paul. Why do you think it, it includes this? Because Paul wrote this. <laughs> okay? By the way, the more that you study your Bible, the more cool things you can find out. Some of you are very much more knowledgeable than me. But I found out something really, really cool about First and Second Corinthians this week. Paul actually wrote four letters and not two. Two of them were lost. So he had to keep writing them. <laughs> so he has... First and Second Corinthians. This letter's from Paul. Why is it a big deal? Because Paul's a real person. It's a real, it's a real person. Now watch this. He's going to get into some really cool stuff. It says, This is a letter from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Jesus Christ, and from our brother Timothy. Paul and Timothy had visited Corinth before. Okay, he's going to go on. He says, I'm writing to God's church in Corinth and to all of His holy people throughout Greece. Why is this verse a big deal? Because it's true. Geographically and archaeologically, it makes this book true. It contains a person in Paul, and it contains another person with Timothy. These are people that are, have, you can study them. They're there. They're in, they're in writings of antiquity. They're in there. Then, when you look and say, God's church in Corinth, there is a place. Guess what? They know exactly where Corinth is. They know exactly where it is. And he says, wow, he even puts a country, Greece. Now, if you look at Greece, you cut it in half. Corinth was the capital of the south part. They know exactly where this is. Now, why is this a big deal? Because God's word is right. It's true. There's no holes. Even somebody, somebody was arguing. I looked, at, I looked up that, that story, and it was pretty crazy. And they, some people were arguing. They said, well, if Paul wrote two letters, and, and they got lost, and how, how does that make the Bible true? Listen, everything that's in this, God put in this. <laughs> this is the inspired, error-proof Word of God. And if God says that my suffering one day will end if I have a relationship with Him in heaven, then that's going to happen. If you can find one promise that God has given that He has not accomplished yet, besides the return of Christ... Please share it with me. You're not going to find it. You can look anywhere in there. Why is this such a big deal? Because he's going to talk about suffering in a minute. And if we figure out who Paul is and that this stuff is, this stuff's legit. This is, this is it. God really wants us to get this. Really, really, really. Timothy had been to, 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 to visit Corinth when Paul couldn't. Timothy comes back. I can imagine this conversation. If you studied this about Paul and studied about Timothy, he comes back and goes, all right, dude, you got to sit down. <laughs> you remember the church we started in Corinth? Oh, yeah. He goes, they have problems. Can't imagine. We, see, we think, we think this, these new problems just, just, just pop up. 
Listen, church people had, had trouble getting uh, together and, t- and along with church people in this time. It doesn't, it doesn't ever go away. We can agree, agree to disagree. We can agree to do different things. But the, here's the deal. Nothing new is under the sun. Solomon said that in the Old Testament. All these things, these people were going through a time of suffering. These people were going through a time of suffering that was so hard, they were being killed, physically harmed, physically with rods, with canes, with sticks. Look at verse 2 and 3. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Now, here's a really, here's a really cool question. We're talking about suffering, and that suffering will end eventually. Maybe not in this earth, but it will end. Now listen. While you're going through that time of suffering, or you have been through that time of suffering, I want to ask you something. How much would you give me if I bottled up a 32-ounce bottle of grace and a 32-ounce bottle of peace, and it would completely take everything away from you? I mean, all the hurt, just gone. If, I, if you bought them, how much would you give me? Truck? Car? House? It's something like, you're crazy. You haven't been there then. When you understand what that pit is, and what that... And sometimes, sometimes we, t- we talk about being in a well. You know what? I know what, the, I know what the, the sub-level of that is. And I'm not saying that to brag. I understand heartache and hurt. I understand suffering. Thinking like it's not going to, not going to come back. I talked to you um, about Lydia turning, Lydia turning five. It's a joyous occasion for me to celebrate the, the birthday of, of my youngest daughter. But it also brings up something very, very hard for me to deal with. Although I've gotten help from God since. That talks about this. Because I, I, I lost my job. They said, you no longer work here. I'm talking full-time job to support my family. You're done. I called my wife. Remember, she calls me. And I said, hey, what's going on? <laughs> Trying to be uplift. She goes, well, I don't know what's going on with you. And I just had enough. I said, I got fired. I, got, I lost my job. <laughs> Thinking that this is going to, you know, just devastate her evening. She said, oh, I'm pregnant. Two words that you do not want to hear when you just heard I lost my job. I'm pregnant. And it brings me back to that spot. Was it a joyous day last Friday when when Lydia turned five? Yes. Why? Because God comforts us. And I said, okay God. (laughs) I just rolled down the windows because I was was praying really loud. (laughs) I was up. You ever been upset? I was upset. I had the windows down and I said, God, I cannot do this on my own. He goes, good. We're in the right spot. You know, God can build a lot better building with broken things. <laughs> he can build a lot better building with broken people. When we understand that we do not have it all together. If you've been with us the past couple months, I took a step back to the back of the stage and I said, you're not good. You're not a good person. I had somebody come to me. Yes, I am. I love you with all of my heart, but no, you're not. You cannot do anything yourself to, to, to get into the kingdom of heaven by yourself. You can't do it. You can't work there. You can't work enough. You can't, you can't tell enough people, even tell enough people about God. You cannot go to church enough. You cannot, do any, you cannot mow your neighbor's yard for free enough. You have to have that relationship. And when God says, see, we have it mixed up. We are in first world America. Remember, I told you the suffering of my children when they, when they couldn't figure out which movie they wanted to watch on Netflix? That was their, that was their suffering. Ah, 
I don't want to, we've already seen this one, we've already seen this one. If you drove to church here this morning, if you drove to church or you rode in a vehicle here this morning, I don't care what your social status is in America right now or in Mount Vernon area right now, you're in the top 5% wealthiest people in this entire world. If you have running water in your house, you're, 75, you're, you're richer than 75% of the entire global population. 7.5 billion people. Well, I didn't think I was like much. Listen. God desires for you to take these first world suffering things that we, go, we think that we go through and get rid of them. He said, I want, you to, I want you to chase me. This is my prayer to you this morning, for you this morning as I was coming to church. I said, God, what would it be like if we had a whole entire church that said like Moses did when God asked Moses, he said, what do you want? He said, I want to see your face. What would, what would it look like if we had all kinds of people that just got all kinds of excited about who God is? I was really excited this week. You know what we did? <laughs> we did. You know what God did this week that we got to be a part of? You ready? We sent out a 16-year-old missionary. Do you understand what that is? We train children into having a working knowledge of Jesus Christ and who He is. We keep mentoring and putting into them and putting into them and putting into them. And they get old enough to make some decisions for their life. And a 16-year-old person left this church for the summer to be a missionary. (laughs) Good job. (laughs) That's what a church does. That's the replication. But we say, man, there's going to be suffering. He's going to be away from home. Blah, blah, blah. Ask Him if it's worth it. Yeah, it's worth it. Is it going to be hard for his family? Yeah. Is it worth it? We step into that first breath of heaven. I think it's all going to go away. But he says this in verse 3. He says, All praise the God, the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. Now, why does he say this? The church in Corinth is going through some stuff. They're going through a time of struggle and suffering. You know why? You know why there's struggle and suffering? There's humans involved. Listen, God takes the broken and He makes beautiful. Have you ever heard of the song by Gunger? You make beautiful things out of us. Man, can you, if you get really alone with yourself, have you ever asked God this question? God, how in the world do you ever use me? I'm a, I'm a broken, sinful person. How in the world can you use me? And Paul says here, and all the praise is to God. All the praise for this stuff is, is of God. He's reminding them that God is always there. Yet though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're with me. He doesn't go away. He says, I will, never for, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will be with you to the end of the age. I will never leave. I will never leave. Look at verse 4. Now this is the big one. This is the big one that some of us need to really, really look at today. Verse 4. He comforts us in all our troubles so we can comfort others. When, we are, when they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. If you have heard me say this one time, you have heard me say this 500. This is church multiplication. This is, this is a planning of a different church. This is, this is people helping people. In Celebrate Recovery, I finished a 12-step a twelve-step study. That's not to say... That's not like having honor cords. That's not like having a master's uh, thing. It, listen, I finished... Why did I finish it? <laughs> well, I only finished it because of God. Because <laughs> it's hard. It's tough. 
Celebrate recovery is for everyone. But to get that... Remember I told you that God makes beautiful things? When you realize the things that are holding you back, and when you want to hit them face on face, and you want to do something about this, listen, right here, he says, He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. Lots of you know, we're not, we do not hold this private. If there's a younger couple or an older couple or a couple that comes to me and says, we just lost a baby. I've been there with my wife. Now, God, take, God took this, this horrible thing that the world says, what did you do to God? The Old Testament Israelites would have said, you did something bad, God's punishing you. No, it was all for this. Listen, if God creates, listen, this is, this is the cool part. When God creates life at conception, and something happens to that baby before they have a knowledge of right and wrong, guess what? One day I'm going to enter the streets of heaven, take my last breath here, have the whole knowledge of Christ when I enter heaven, and I'm going to meet that boy or girl. Cool! Do you see how he showered me with comfort? Some of you are thinking, how in the world can you possibly say that? That is so awful. It's so hard. Yeah, it was. I've been on my face on the floor crying and just absolutely helpless. I don't care if you can pick up the back of a truck. I don't care if you can bench press 700 pounds. You cannot possibly do that on your own. You cannot go through that alone. And we want to tell this. I'm going to tell you one of the lies that, that we think in church is, is something good to say. God will never give you more than you can handle. That is absolutely wrong. Why? Why? Then why is it wrong? Listen, God will give you more than you can handle because if He gives you more than you can handle, you have no choice but to lean and rely on Him. And that is when you grow. You can't do it by yourself. That's, what the, that's the thing. We want to. <laughs> I'm going to get out of this by myself. When they're troubled, they will be able to... Some of you, spiritually, this is really cool. I like talking about connection people with other people that maybe not go here. Some of us walk around with spiritual waiters on. And, we, and we're walking through this earth. And all of a sudden, there's somebody that we see floating by us in this mud. And they kind of go underwater. You know what some of you do? Some of you go... I'll get a stick and help them out. Some of you reach down like this and you grab their hand. Some of you play lifeguard and dive in and grab them and drag them to the shore. Now this is, this, is how I, this is how I know this. Some people have come up to me and said, how did you and Mary deal with what you dealt with? We sat down and we had dinner. We talked and I said, listen, you have to completely fully rely on Christ. You can't do it your own. I have no idea. I have no idea how to explain the peace that God gave us that's beyond our understanding, that's like Thessalonians talks about. I have no idea how to explain that. The only thing that I do know is this. God gave it to us. And anybody that comes and wants to talk to me about that, I can show you and tell you how that's possible. Have you ever lost a loved one? you ever been through a divorce? There are these people all over this place. They've been, life has happened to a lot of us. And when Paul writes in verse 4 here, he says, listen, you've got to give it away. How about struggle with depression? Been addicted? I don't care what it is. There is hope. Look at verse 5. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with His comfort through Christ, if you want to see something special in Scripture today, look at verse 5. Look at the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5th word. Suffer, for the more we suffer for Christ, look at them, the more God will shower. If you, if you go outside and mow, and mow your yard this, this weekend, you're going to come in and you are going to take a shower. 
if you want to talk to anybody remotely close. Okay? Now listen. God says that He's going to shower us. He doesn't say, here, here's enough. Here's enough. No. He doesn't say enough. He says, turn the spigot on and watch what I'll do. He says, sometimes, sometimes we are hurting so bad. Sometimes it's our own fault. It's okay to go to the pity party. Right? You understand this. We've talked about this before. It's okay to go to the pity party, but know when to leave. God did not design you to stay in that, in that situation of, of self-pity. And oh, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. He says this. He says, I want you to come to me and to seek me. And there's, it's like there's two great big valves. And sometimes we can pick between suffering and comfort. God's showering us with either, either, either suffering or comfort. And sometimes we are so blind that we just say, well... I want more suffering. You know why? So I can, every, every time somebody comes by me, my life is so awful. You know anybody like this? Don't nudge your partner. Don't, don't, talk, don't text your friends. My life is so bad. And think about what God has done for you. You've been, you've been unscrewing the wrong nozzle. God says, yeah, these, this suffering is important and I'm going to use it in your life, but I want to take care of you. You know why? Because God can't do anything else other than that. He's a good, good father. I love that song. He's good. You know why he's good? He can't be else. He can't be anything else. God is good. How do we know this? God has never done anything wrong. He's never done anything bad. Now some people say, well, what he did was bad. Listen, the things that we see on that are a consequence of sin and a consequence of things that we as humans have done. It's not him picking on us. God has never sent one person to hell. How comforting is that to you? Even though I don't care where you come from, I don't want to know, I don't care what you're addicted to. God has never sent one person to hell. It's self. You pick. You pick. Which nozzle do you want? Paul is talking, and in verse 5 here, he is talking. He is talking about physical suffering. Physical. Paul was beaten. And think about this. I'm going to ask you a question. You don't need to answer this out loud. Answer it to yourself. How much do you value this? Paul, this is how much Paul valued this. He gets beat. He gets thrown in prison. Paul, do you realize why you're in prison? It's like his giant timeout. He's in all the time. He's been beaten. He's been marred up. They said he probably couldn't recognize his back. He probably got hit in the face. He, got, he probably didn't see well because of the blinding light that he saw when God called him to choose him. And, he, and they probably said, Paul... Do you understand why you're here? My daughter Lydia said something that she should not. There wasn't anything bad. But this morning, I went to her and I said, you need to go apologize. And I know some of you think, well, that's me. It's about being a parent. As a result, we hope that she respects others when she grows up. And we took her to that other little girl and we said, you need to apologize. And she said, I'm sorry. That was very hard to do. But sometimes God does that to us. But you know why? Because he's a good parent. But Paul is in prison. And Paul understands his calling. He understands how much this means to him. How much the the message of Christ means to him. And they said, do you understand why you're in prison? He goes, yep, I was talking about Jesus again. I mean, you probably can't see. He's just got swollen face. Yeah, I was talking about Jesus again. Somebody hit me and they threw me back in jail. And the passion... That this man has. Can you imagine? They go up to him, if we let you go, are you going to quit? No. 
Are you going to be back here? Probably. The passion that he had for everyone to know, everybody that he could come in contact with, to show them that he's talking about being physically altered. Like being, being beaten and cut and hit. You ever been called a holy roller? No? Everybody, somebody ever, somebody, somebody that you've ever known um, get called a Jesus freak because they, they, they would chase you like, through this life trying to hit you with a big Bible. It'd be like osmosis and it would soak in. Called you a Jesus freak. They call you a holy roller. And they said, hey, and they said, hey, are you one of those crazy people that goes to connection? Are you one of those crazy people that goes to church? Are you one of those crazy people that believes in God? I told you last week this. If you are being persecuted because of your walk with Jesus Christ, you're doing it correctly. If you are not being persecuted because of your walk with Jesus Christ, you're not a threat. God is seeking to operate in a level with you that you have never experienced, some of you. He says, I want want you to take this suffering and I want to rid you of it or I'm going to give you comfort from it. Look at your worship handout with me. It says, God comforts us in our times of suffering and struggle and we must share our struggles with others. Our experiences with others, I'm sorry. We show them how God got us through our stuff. If you've, been, if you've been through something, nobody understands that more than you. I can't explain in words what some of you have been through. Some of you say, I've experienced a divorce in my family. I can't explain that to you. Why? Because under God's grace alone, I don't have that. My parents are, till, are still together. My in-laws are still together. I don't, know, I don't know what that is. But I've had people share their life with me and said, hey, you can use my stories. Use my experience of the pain. Use my experience of of how God even got us both through that. Watch this. You ready for this? I even know a person that came to me in a very, 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 very bad time of their life and said, my wife and I are going to get a divorce. And I asked him about counseling. And I asked him all about this. He said, we tried. We just can't do it. And they got a divorce. And they were separated for about four months. You know what God did? He said, I'm bigger than divorce. And they got remarried. And they're happy. Now God doesn't choose to do that all the time. We don't, because because we're involved. You ever been through just really, really hard stuff? Divorce, lost a loved one. People here have been through this stuff. This is what I tell young married couples. If you get asked a question, if you're, I don't mean old in age, I just mean a, a mature believer. If you've been married for 15 or 20 years, and one of our young couples that are getting ready to get married or just have married comes up and say, hey, can we buy you lunch? There's a reason behind this, and I'll share it with you. Sometimes in, our, in my marriage counseling, I give, them, I give them three times. I said, within the first six months, you need to find somebody that's been married for five years and you need to buy their lunch, even if it's at the dollar menu on a McDonald's. You need to buy somebody lunch that's been married and has a successful marriage for five years at least. You need to talk to them and you need to ask them some questions. You're going to hear some really funny stories too. I said now within the first year after you meet with these people and you learn and you, you put into application what they've taught you, within the first year find somebody that's been married for 15 years. And in the first 18 months you need to find somebody that's been married for over 35 years and you need to ask them how they did it. How they did it. You're going to hear funny stories. So if somebody comes up and asks you this, 
There's a reason for that. Please take them up on that offer. Please put into them. And how, how healthy is that? We have older, mature couples that, that love God putting into younger, mature, trying to be mature couples that are trying to follow God. How awesome is that? It's, it's, it's couple mentoring. It's awesome. Look at, ver- look at the next verse. Look at verse 6. It says, Even if we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. And when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. This is an absolute straight-up warning to these people. Paul says, I've already been beaten. It's coming. Why? Because Jesus was a revolutionary. The thinking was so out of, out of context to them. And he says, listen... Then you can patiently endure the same things we did. We don't like that one. You know why it says? It says two words that we don't like. It talks about patience, and it talks about enduring, meaning it won't go away right away. And when you can patiently endure something, that means that you can wait it out. What does God say in the meantime? He said, well, man, I don't know what to do in the meantime. My suffering, it's just like I'm doing everything right, but He's not listening. God says this, you seek me with everything that you are. You read your Bible more. You pray more. You get yourself into situations where you can learn more about me. You don't quit. You keep going. Keep pursuing. We need to be like Moses. When God asked Moses, this is so awesome. He says, what do you want? He said, I want to see you. Not I want to play cards with you. Not I want to go out with dinner for you. He goes, I want to see your face. I want to see everything that you are so I can run towards that. Look at verse 9. In fact, we expected to die. He is talking... I'm sorry, verse 7. I skipped, I skipped some. We're confident that as you are sharing our sufferings, you will also share in comfort God gives us. Why do we suffer? Why does God allow us to suffer? Did Jesus suffer? Yeah. Did He endure the suffering? Yes. God gets us in a position sometimes. I talked with a guy after church this morning. He said, I had to be broken and crushed before I would listen to God. Wow. I told you that God builds better buildings with broken stuff. He doesn't make sense. He doesn't go to a lumberyard. He gets the scrap material and then he says, watch what I can do. Watch what I can do. And, and he... Man. He takes our broken and he says, watch what I can do. We share in the comfort that God gives us. Can you rejoice in suffering? God uses our, our suffering to mold us to be more like Jesus Christ. It's to share in the comfort that God gives, but also to share in the suffering. Remember that shower knob? God begs you, turn it on. Seek me. God says this in James 14. He says, humble yourself before me and I will lift you up in honor. That's not to a place of authority. He says, humble yourself before me and I will lift you up. That means I'll take care of you. I will completely take care of you. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear. Because you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. They're with us. He's never left. You know why? Because he promised it. He can't go back on a promise. He said, I'll be with you forever. Look at verse 8. We, we think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In verse 9, he says, In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely on God who raises the dead. This 
is monumentally gigantic. We expected to die, but God helped us. But Paul says again, later he says, if I die, I'm, I win. So this is not really a big deal for him. He's dead to himself. He, he, he gives us a great look and a great example of what a human should be able to think about this. We're not told of everything that that's, was done to them in Asia. Other than this. They probably weren't just beaten, they were probably tortured. Oh, joy. He didn't wake up in the morning and say, man... We're gonna we're gonna go around uh, gonna go around this country because they like to they like to beat people to talk about Jesus. Paul's the one that was running in. <laughs> he was running in and said, "Listen about Jesus," and he'd probably say as much as he could before he got popped in the mouth, and then he'd thrown right back into his timeout cell in jail. He he wouldn't quit. They were forced to fully rely on God. Look at the next blank with me on your worship handout. You cannot rely on yourself or your ability. You must rely on God. God does not give you what you can handle. God, God allows you to have more than you can handle because more than you can handle requires that you rely on Him. That first thing goes against Scripture. God says, you, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, you cannot lean on your own understanding. Lean on His. Lean on God. You have to. You know why? I don't care how big of muscles you have. God's are bigger. I don't care what kind of problems you have, God's love is stronger. Now here's the big deal. This is the huge deal. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have, and you have, you have Jesus Christ that lives inside your heart, inside your body, spiritually, this is the thing. There is nothing more final than death. And if you have Jesus Christ inside you, God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. That is the most final thing we can ever have happen to us on this earth. It's final. It, is not, it does not reverse itself. I know you story. Well, they come back. I'm talking, this is final, okay? It's final, you're done. There is nothing in our suffering that is final, more final than that. Sometimes our suffering doesn't get taken away from us, but sometimes it does. Sometimes it will not get taken away from us until death. So this is, this is the deal. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, if you are a follower of Him, it lives in you. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you. you now you tell me what you can't handle. That's the answer. Nothing. There's nothing that's more final than death. There's nothing that's, that's been taken care of that hasn't been taken care of by God. He did, he did the absolute impossible so that we can endure. How about this? If you're suffering through something, are you completely willing to let God have this? We don't like this because it says two words that we really hate. Relinquish control. We do not like that. Then it talks about being patient, which we're not good with. You and I both know this. Netflix and Hulu do not load fast enough. First world America problem. You cannot rely on yourself or your own ability. Are you willing to worship while you wait on God to move? Lauren Daigle, the song that we listened to a couple weeks ago. If you don't move the mountains that I want you to, or you don't part the seas exactly how I want you to, or you don't answer that, that prayer exactly how I want you to, I will still trust you. 
I will still trust you. Why? Because he can be trusted. You have no other spouse or no other friend that can be trusted like God. None. None. He's it. He says, you can trust me. Why? Tell me a promise that he's went back on. Tell me one. (laughs) Has he flooded the earth? Well, it's really wet, but he hasn't flooded the earth. He hasn't gone back on that. The only promise that he has that, that's happened that hasn't came back yet is Jesus coming back, and that's real. If it, think about the odds of that not happening. Not good, not in your favor. Everything else he said has happened. Okay, look at verse 10 as we go on. Almost finished. If you're an underliner, I'm going to say some words in a little bit different emphasis, and you underline them. And he did rescue from mortal danger. And he will rescue us again. And we have placed our confidence in Him, and He will continue to rescue us. He did, He will, He placed us, and He will continue. Verse 11, it says, And you are helping us by praying for us. Then many people will give thanks because God has graciously answered so many prayers for our safety. Paul talking about physical harm, and us talking about suffering harmful things. It's the same. God is not changing. God is the same. And he says, listen to me this morning. I have been waiting to help you. But you have been completely not obedient to what I want you to do. There are some people in this room that, that God has really blessed awesomely with, uh, with a great marriage. Maybe, they, maybe God has blessed you financially. Maybe He's blessed you in just multiple other ways. In those, in those life situations, this scripture, what Paul's talking about, it says you need to put it back into these people. You see somebody that's going through something in your life, and you go, not only, maybe you can't just grab them. Maybe you get in there and you hold on to them and you swim to the side. We help each other. Sometimes this, in a second I'm going to have us all stand and I'm going to pray for us. And there, there's a significance in something. If you can't, that's fine. You and I will go through times of suffering and struggle until we take our last breath on earth. And I know, that goes exactly against the first blank on the worship band, isn't it? You think, oh, it's gonna, they're not going to last forever. Listen, on this earth, they will be here until Jesus wipes them away. If it seems like it's too much, I want to encourage you something. Some of you may be going through addiction, depression. You may not even understand that there's even light anywhere. You may think, I cannot get through this. And I want to tell you something. I have probably been where you are. But you're the pastor. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You don't know me. You don't know how God physically and physically, spiritually and mentally had to absolutely crush me, to humble me, to get me to a point. And he said, you are not good enough. You need me. And guess what? I know this is going to shock you, but God was right. Now I operate on a different level. Do I struggle? Absolutely. Do I understand what suffering is? Absolutely. This may not ever leave us. Some things may come and go. Other things may stay. Maybe you're in a situation where you need to seek God like you've never sought God before. Listen, connection was within, within a very short time frame of extending and planning another church. And that scares me to death. You know why? Because my human nature, I want to say, oh, we don't have everything done. We don't have everything done. We don't have the teachers we need. We don't have this. We don't have this. 
I think they're here. I know they're here. And we're gonna and we're gonna see what God can do in this church and what He can what He can bring, what He can bring into this. But our times of suffering are not easy to go through. If you're able to. I just simply want you to stand. And I'm going to pray for us as we leave. Okay? Just stand if you can. If you cannot, just please remain seated. But I'm going to ask you this. If you're a person that likes to pray, pray to yourself while other people pray, please do so. If you're a person that really wants to acknowledge God and say, God, I'm really going through some suffering stuff and I need your help. Maybe you haven't turned on that faucet. Say, God, I want to turn on the faucet right now. I need you. I can't do anything without you. And this is what we need to do. We're just standing in agreement. That's all we're doing. We're just standing up together as a family, as a group. You know why? Because we are a family. God has placed us together. Maybe you've been through some hard stuff and you, you need to say, you know what, life's pretty good for you right now. And you need to say, you know what, God, I, wanna, I, I would like an opportunity to have someone come along in my life. And I'll be patient for them. We want somebody to come through in my life, and I want to be able to be open with them and share with them what you've done in my life. That's a huge step. That's a big step because it calls for you to be reflective, okay, and see through. Say, God, I'll help. I'll do it. I'll jump in that mud. I'll have dirty, dirty waiters. Listen, if you don't have a mess, you don't have a ministry. Man, it's so awesome. To see what God is doing with these people. But if that's you, I'm just going to ask you all to pray. If you're, if you're with your mate and you guys are going through something, hold your hand. Hold your hand with him. Put your arm around him or her. Listen, just close your eyes. I'm going to, I'm going to pray. God, we, we stand as a group of people and we're, we're asking one thing. We are asking for your help. We realize some things that, we, that we've lied to ourselves about a long time. We cannot do this on our own. Maybe, maybe we can't get pregnant, or maybe we, maybe we lost a job. Maybe whatever this time of suffering is, it may not go away really fast. So until it does, or until, just help us endure it, give us the patience. And God, we just ask that you pour out your spirit on these people. God, that you pour out your helping spirit. God, that you see these people that are in need. And God, I ask that we be like Moses. And we say, God, we don't want to see the side or the back of you. We want to see your face. We want to see everything you have for us. We want to see that pain, that pain that we can endure. We can go through this time of suffering. Oh, the last three weeks have been so hard. But you're good. You can't be anything but good. We praise you, God, for the sunshine. We praise you for listening to us. And God, I ask for a special prayer request that everybody in this place, that we begin to take a journey of experiencing you like we've never had before in our life. That we can give you everything we have we can endure the suffering because you're good and you give us comfort. God, I thank you. I thank you for these people. And as we remember tomorrow, a day of memorial for the people that have lost their lives for this great country, may we also, God, remember about the single solitary life that was given that gives us eternity. Thank you, God, for letting us live in the greatest country in the world, and giving us the freedom to openly worship you. 
In your name we pray. Amen.